Well, good morning, everyone. If you'll reach for your Bibles and turn to Titus, the second chapter, I want to lay a good foundation for our meeting this week. As Brother John said, this was to be in 2020. And of course, we probably put it together when I spoke with Rellen back probably about three years before that. And then to be able to finally make it is a true joy. To see Bill Dudney is a true joy. All right, you ready for a little history? It was back in 94 to 98, I preached in Hendersonville, Tennessee. One of our students, one of our young men, Matt Lanius, went off to college at Tennessee Tech. He worshiped with the Zion congregation where Don Chaffin labored for years. He came home and he said, man, have you heard about the work in India? I said, no. He said, man, you got, we got to bring Bill Dudney here. Matt's dad was one of the elders. Brother Bill came. That's where we met. And then from Brother Bill, when the work moved to the oversight of Willette, my friendship with Willette, and I'm grateful for them. And of course, Jack and a group of them are over there. And I filled in for Jack last week. So I've stomped dirt in Macon County and Clay County last week. I'm going to stomp dirt in Jackson County and Putnam County this week. Folks, I am living high on a hog. I will not mince any other words. I love the theme. I love the work you have put toward this theme. I have seen your work on social media. You've shared it. You've taken your flyer. You've shared it. Relin has kept me updated. You have done an awesome job with this work. And I'm grateful for this theme because as you see on the board, your family matters. When I saw that post of your recent retreat, I was blown away. The number, who was all there? And I'm grateful because to you, the family indeed does matter. Now, a little bit of background of these lessons. Several years ago, I did a survey of much of what you'll see here in a moment among brethren. And a survey just to kind of get a feel of what are things that our brethren need. And this morning, we're going to be looking at four things your family needs. Now, this doesn't matter what age you are or your circumstances in life. Sometimes people will look and say, well, he's going to preach on the wife. I don't really need that. Well... I would dare say you might have a daughter-in-law or a daughter who is a wife. There may be something you could say to encourage them with some, hey, I heard something recently you might say that would help them. Maybe you've got a grandson or a granddaughter getting married and a good opportunity for advice for the husband-to-be and the wife-to-be. When we talk about children, there are things there that will help our young people, but maybe help us as we reach out to our young people. So every lesson has something to do with the family, and the last time I checked, everywhere I preach and I look around, everybody is part of a family. Take what you can use for yourself, take what you can use to help others, and I'm looking forward to a good week with you. Now, we got a dinner on the ground later, right? All right. That's after the 11, around 11, 1130. Whenever I finish. Oh, that's loaded. 
No, no, let me rephrase. Let, John, I, I don't want to correct you, but let me rephrase that. When the women tell us we're ready. Oh, I was at a place the other day and they said, now y'all stay in here. The ladies will let us know when they're ready. A lot of truth in that. Of course, sometimes I think the ladies take a little bit too long because there's too many women over there, but I digress. See, I've already got on the women's bad side already. <laughs> no, not at all. Titus 2, verses 1 through 6. Follow along with me. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Titus, what you're going to say is sound and solid and you can depend on it. It's teaching doctrine instruction to help as you put things in order through Crete and all where you go. What he's about to say to every age group will help us set our lives in order that the aged men be sober or wise, grave, serious, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. The aged women likewise. Now ladies, look at what's required of the aged men. And now likewise, along this same line, this is sound. That they be in behavior as becometh holiness. Not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. That they may teach the young women to be sober. To love their husbands, to love their children, likewise. To be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands. That the word of God be not blasphemed. Why? Because the word of God is sound. It's good instruction. Verse 6. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded in all things showing yourself a pattern of good works. In doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech. That cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Church, would you agree with me that the Apostle Paul through Titus has just finished dealing with every one of us? True or false? True. Aged men, aged women, young men, young women. We fall in one of those four categories. The Bible has a lot to say concerning us as individuals and how the family indeed matters. Now back to this survey. I reached out to brethren and I wanted to know a few things. And I found this one of rather of interest. This was a lengthy quote. We have dealt with a lot of stress in our family the last eight years, job loss, ill parents, and juggling taking care of them and your own family, a child having an illness with no cure and all that entails, having your time at work cut back, and the effects on your take-home pay, a death in family. Sound familiar? This is real life happening, folks. We continue. These are a few things that we have dealt with. We did not handle all situations well, but some we did. We prayed a lot. We leaned on friends and family or communication. 
By leaning on others, we were sometimes blessed by them sharing a timeshare for us to get away from it all. We loved, hugged, cried, and encouraged one another. Church, you've had ten souls taken from you to eternity this year. When I see a post here recently, I see COVID. I see someone is struggling with a health problem. You have had a year here at Center Grove. There's no doubt. What I just read did not come from any of you, but it could probably, most of it or some of it could apply to you. Now, we can do one of two things. We can look at how difficult things are, and we can and we know. Or we can attack how difficult things are, and let's renew and refresh ourselves to help us deal with the first part and to help us look at every avenue within family to help you and I press along, endure, and do what we can. It's in Romans 12, 12. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Patient, holding up under tribulation, a broad word meaning trouble, strife, a problem of all various sizes. We are patient within or bearing with it. But you know, folks, if we take the first part of that verse, we rejoice in hope, not in the problem. I don't rejoice in the problem. Problems hurt. Problems cause suffering. I don't rejoice in the problem. I rejoice in the hope in Christ that helps me attack that problem. And then on the other side, I can squeeze it also by continuing instant in prayer. Instant, quickly in prayer. When I take the hope in which I rejoice and the prayer of which I continue, that's going to help me deal with the tribulation and the challenges in the middle. Folks, you know what this is called on the screen? Life. Living. It all varies. Let's look at four areas from this survey to help us. Now, that clock has got a glare on it, which means I can't see it that well. That's a good thing. No, folks, I've got to be honest. When you're on radio, you're on television, you're used to clocks. So that's all right. Respect time, and people that listen to you will respect you. How about this first one? How about communicate? When the family matters, communicate. One of the major responses, communication. Families just don't communicate as well as they should. I mean, supper times seem to decline. We seldom sit down every night to have supper or a time together to eat. And then when we do, we find teenagers sitting around and even sometimes we as adults with our noses and faces into this little thing rather than taking time with one another. While these are good, they have their purpose and they have their time. Prayer time together is not what it should be. Do we spend time in prayer together as couples, as families? To help with our communication, here's three things. Number one, 
Father. I'm not talking about earthly daddies. I'm talking about the Heavenly Father. How about 1 John 3, 22? Whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Later in 1 John 5, verse 14, Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And we know that He hears us, whatever we ask. We know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. He's saying we are confident when we can go to God in prayer. That when I pray according to His will, then I want His will to respond to me. And that's what makes communication so important within the family. A professional counselor was once stated, I haven't found one family who prays together that was in serious trouble. So true. Do you spend time in prayer together as a family? Do you reach unto the Father and pray for those things that we need? Number two, within communication, we talk about Father, we now go to family. Here's another quote from the survey. Having regular conversations can help a family work together to better understand and address any stressors children are experiencing. Low levels of parental communication have been associated with poor decision-making among children and teens. Talking to your children and promoting open communication and problem-solving is just as important as eating well and getting enough exercise and sleep. Talk things over. Surveys have shown parents or children will go to their parents more than they would their own peers. But regrettably, you see that decreasing a little bit through the years. Here's why. When you have the family suffering through divorce, suffering through problems, suffering through separation, and a lot of times children don't know if they talk to mama, daddy gets mad. If they talk to daddy, mama gets mad. Daddy wants to badmouth mama. Mama wants to badmouth daddy. So they wind up talking to their peers who are actually going through something similar. But bless their heart, they're not at the level to give advice. They're still seeking it. Folks, we cannot underestimate good communication. To begin right off the bat, if you sit down to eat and you've got one of these nearby, put it up. Put it up. Spend time talking to one another. Spend time chatting with one another. Father, family, and faithful. Did not James teach us in James 5, 16, confess your trespasses to one another, pray for one another that you may be healed? The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. What about the simple plea from 1 Thessalonians 5, 25 and 2 Thessalonians 3, 1? Brethren, pray for us. And whether we suffer or whether we rejoice, we're there one for another. 1 Corinthians 12, 26, how the body together, every member within the body of Christ, laboring together and helping one another, praying for one another. Somebody's going to have surgery. Well, I don't want to bother anybody. Bother! Bother them! Bother them! Let me tell you something, folks. When somebody's going to stand over me that I have not known that long with a scalpel, a sharp blade in their hand, I want all the prayers for them I can get. Now, I know there are circumstances that you might say, well, 
we've got to be careful. I'll give you one. My wife had surgery recently. We selected pockets of folks to pray for us. We didn't put it on social media because her mother is dealing with Alzheimer's. She didn't want her daddy to find out till she was ready to tell him because she didn't want to put more on him than he already has. Now, we understand circumstances such as that. But folks, when the Bible teaches us as co-laborers, fellow servants, love one another and so on, folks, don't ever say, I don't want to bother anybody in the church. No, bother. We are people to be bothered. You ever thought about that? Shepherds, elders, you shepherd sheep. You need to know what is bothering to shepherd them properly. Deacons who serve, you need to know the areas of work. And if there's something that's bothered, you deal with it. Folks, communication to the Father in prayer, among your family, and among the faithful. Pray for me. Pray for us. When I hear of an announcement, or as John updates the sick list, those people are there because they want prayer. And pray one for another. When somebody says, pray for me, take a moment and pray for them. If you're like me, what happens? Jeff, keep me in your prayer. I sure will. And then guess what? I forget. Sometimes we do well just to pause and pray. Communicate. Folks, we can't go wrong here. And we see communication, prayer to the Father, among our families, among the faithful. Here's the second one, delegate. I like this one, delegate. Here is one of the responses that I had in the survey. A problem within the family. This one, children not obeying. Now, I could quickly say, where are that young and out? And we could go to number three. But I'm going to spend a little bit more time here. Folks, I want you to think with me three things under this point. How about the first one? Christ. Maybe we need to back up and to look at the delegation in the family. Now, sometimes we refer to it as the pecking order. I don't like that term for family, but you, I want to kind of bring us all in together. Brother Donnie Barnes, the late Brother Donnie Barnes, said this as an article some years ago, building up the church through strong Christian families. He said this, Every husband should, number one, be the leader in the home, Ephesians 5, 23. Number two, love his own wife, Ephesians 5, 25. Number three, provide for the family, 1 Timothy 5, 8. And number four, properly train the children without embittering them, Ephesians 6, 4. Each wife should love and obey her own husband, be discreet, and take good care of the home, Titus 2, 5, and 1 Timothy 5, 13 and 14. Children should obey and honor their parents, Ephesians 6, 1 and 2, and Colossians 3, 21. Brother Barnes covers it right there. There is the delegation. Children do not run households. Children do not determine your schedule because they want to play every sport in the world. Husbands take the lead in their homes and have a lot upon them that hinders. We'll deal with that next hour. We'll deal with the wives tonight as we look at strengthening ourselves because your family matters. So begin with the delegation. Christ. What does Christ teach? And remember in the text in Ephesians 5, speaking of husband and wife, Paul is speaking there of Christ and the church, but uses husband and wife. So remember the delegation that is there. 
And here's the summary. If every husband will do as Christ, every daddy, every wife as Christ and mother, every child following Christ, the whole family working together, would we not agree that would help the family go a long way? Without a doubt. We're simply going back to what God has to say who created the family. From Christ, let's talk about number two, let's talk about within this couple. Treat your partner with respect. It's not only good for your marriage, but it also affects the entire family dynamic. Have you ever, husbands, wives, have you ever shared a kiss in front of the children? What was the reaction of the children? I'll tell you what, I'll count to three and you tell me what the reaction is. Speak out. Ready? One, two, three. <laughs> you know, they may say that, but do you know that goes a long way more than you realize? Because they see daddy loves mama and mama loves daddy and that is a comfort there. To that child. A lady by the name of Tammy Kramer Sedlick. She's the director of research at UCLA's Center on the Everyday Lives of Families. Said this: When spouses showed patience and support, as opposed to being impatient, sarcastic, or critical, their children were more respectful toward them and the smoother the households ran. Now that's from a study they did. So see folks, here's something I find amazing. A lot of studies, the world says this will work. And when you look at what the world says would work, guess where they find it? Every time. Every time. Well, we've just come across a study that when fathers are involved in their children's household, that the families are stronger. <laughs> Hello and duh, where have you been? Yeah, where have you been? How about this one? This is from WebMD.com on parenting. The article is Seven Secrets of Low-Stress Families. Listen to this. The same was true for parents who set the rules for the kids as opposed to those who let their children make the decisions. When parents delegated chores to their children, rather than asking them which chores they wanted to do, there were fewer tantrums and arguments. There were still affection and humor in homes where parents were the bosses, but there was never a question of who was in charge. So you see, moms and dads, it starts with you and the children see how this is. And when they're instructed, you carry that through. That's your responsibility. Asking a child, what chores do you want to do? Now, folks, think a minute. What do you think they're going to say? They're going to look for the minimum so they can get the maximum. I mean, come on. But when they're given an assignment and what they are to do, they carry it through. If they don't, don't take their cell phones if they're old enough. Take their plugs. All right, I got to explain that. I said, y'all are not getting that. No. You see, you can take their phone, that's fine. But if you take their plugs, guess what's going to happen to the phone? All right, y'all with me now? All right, good, church. All right, stay with me here. From Christ to the couple, now let's deal with the children. You see, the word discipline comes from a word, disciple. 
Discipline is not a bad word. You and I, every one of us, were disciplined this morning because we probably set an alarm when to get up. We were disciplined when we need to leave. We were disciplined with what we needed to do. All of us are disciplined people in some way. For example, you prepared food for today. Why? You were disciplined that I've got to get this ready for today. We're disciplined in every way in the world. Discipline is not a bad thing. Discipline is a good thing. Can some discipline be bad? Why, yes, Hebrews 12. There were times that I was disciplined that I would have told you. The Hebrew writer was correct. It was not pleasant at the moment. But it was done for good. Listen to these texts. Proverbs 1.8 My son, hear the instruction of your father and forsake not the law of your mother. What about Proverbs 19.18 Chasten thy son while there is hope and let not thy soul spare for his crying. Proverbs 13.24 He who spares his rod hates his son but he who loves him disciplines him promptly or disciplines him promptly. Proverbs 23, 13, and 14, Do not withhold correction from a child, for if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. You shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. Folks, I have to admit, looking back, I am grateful for the discipline and for the non-rod sparing of Ray and Martha Sue Archie, who are now long gone into eternity. <laughs> But I'm grateful and I'm thankful. It got to be where daddy didn't have to do anything but this. I said if President Bush years ago would have dropped daddy off in the Middle East and daddy would have found Osama bin Laden, if daddy would have went like that, that had been all it took. Daddy would have stopped him dead in his tracks. How about this, folks? Be clear in setting rules and consistent with discipline. I mean, kids live in a black and white world. Yes, no, do this, don't do that. When things are blurred and things are not clear, it makes it difficult as they get into adulthood when things are black and white and clear. You see, when we were corrected growing up, it helped us to understand authority and respect when we got out in that world and realized how things were to be. Parents, once you decide a punishment, stick with it. It's not going to kill the child. One thing I will say from my mama, whenever she set a punishment, she never backed off of it. No matter how good a boy I'd been, there was no such thing as probation. There was no such thing as getting off for good behavior. When mama said this, that was it. And how she knew, I have no idea. But she did. How about this? Parents, no child is always 100% right. You weren't right, neither was I. Par uh, children, can I help you out? No parent is always 100% right. Moms and dads, there's nothing wrong with telling your child, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. I could have done better. When you goof up, if situation warrants, then respond. You see, these are little things right here when we talk about delegate. If we understand God's plan the husband, the wife, the children, and how that works in order. And all of us are aiming toward Christ as we're going to be doing with the next three lessons in each category. Then that strengthens us and helps us. Young people, I want to say this to you. 
while I'll speak more on Monday night, always without exception, no matter the cost. Listen to me. If you miss anything else I say, listen to me. Without exception, no matter the cost, tell the truth. Don't you ever, 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 ever lie to your mama or your daddy. You might get away with it once, but you're not that good. You can destroy trust. You can destroy good down the road. Don't you ever lie to your parent. If they ask you, you tell the truth, you take the punishment, and you go on with life. Now, folks, we're kind of staring back because, again, this survey I saw was a plea there. We need to delegate and realize that Christ is the head of our households. How important the relationship of mom and dad and children. Here was the third one, calculate. Not only time management, but money management. Folks, all of these, I could have created lessons by themselves. Time doesn't permit, but Relin's already hit me up with a date back there. Who knows what we're liable to do in the future. Families are stressed out because they're too busy. Time management or finances. We got to calculate a few things. Let's talk about managing time. Number one, Ephesians 5.15, walk carefully, walk circumspectly, walk carefully. And we do so when we are wise how to do so, how to gain it. Because we're taught not to be, or be ye not unwise, Ephesians 5.17, and redeeming the time, which means buying up opportunity using the best of our time. So first of all, we need to understand the value of time. If somebody asks me, Jeff, what are you doing? I will not say I'm killing time. I do not like that term, I'm killing time. Mm -mm. Time's too valuable to kill. We need to use it. Second, with your schedules right now, weed out something big that can go and two or three other little things. It's time to clean out some things and just say we're not going to do it. Years ago, dear couple, friends of mine had two sons. They were younger. I said, well, are they keeping you busy with the athletics? They said, no, Jeff, we tried that one year and we stopped it and said that's not going to be the case. And so we told both boys, you pick one sport and you can enjoy it to the 100%. We can't play everything. We cannot be everywhere. He said, one liked football and one liked basketball. He said, it's worked out perfect. He said, they get to play and enjoy. We can have time as a family and we're not running to courts, fields, and everywhere else. And folks, I'm going to inject this thought in right here. If you don't think there's not a correlation with why a lot of our young people have walked away from the church, when organized ball teams and systems started practicing and playing on Sundays with weekend trips, you got another thing coming. It's made a huge difference. Walk carefully, weed out something, and then turn around and restructure your schedule. God first, Matthew 6.33 your family to follow, Ephesians 5, 22 through 33, and then your work, 1 Timothy 5, 8. Work and provide. Let's talk about managing money. Again, these are lessons by themselves, but let me give you this one. Manage your money. Four things quickly. Number one, prepare a budget. Sit down and put on paper what you've got. 
The old character of the old TV show Fred Sanford looked at, looked at Lamont one time, his son, and he said, you see that hand right there? I put it in that pocket. If there ain't no money there, there ain't no budget. That doesn't work, folks. Sit down. Prepare a budget. Jesus talked about the wisdom of that in Luke 14, 28 through 30. Which of you building a tower does not sit down first and count the cost? Number two, plan your giving to God. Lay by and store on the first day of the week. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2. Make sure that's number one. Third, purge your spending. Hebrews 13, verse 5. Take a look. Are you spending too much on things? Are you spending too much on cable? Are you spending too much on streaming? Are you spending too much on these things? Are you spending too much on food? I know we have to eat, but I'm talking about being sensible, eating out as opposed to eating at home. How about Proverbs 6, 6 through 8? The examples, especially there, the little ant who lay buys in store, purposefully lays something by, save up something. Brother, I know what you're doing. Walk slow. Number four. So folks, here's what you got. Calculate. Manage your time. Manage your money. Here's our fourth one. Educate. A response here from the survey. We have found that the valley seemed very deep and that it seems to take forever to get out of it. But on the other side, we always found that we grew as individuals and as a family unit. The main thing through all our stresses is that we tried to keep our eyes focused on the Lord. So powerful. Remember, it's not meant to be easy, but any problems you have will have been overcome by many parents before you. Search them out to use as a sounding board. Young brothers, there's not a thing wrong for you reaching out to a brother John, to a brother Bill, or any of our aged brothers, I mean that with respect, to speak to them and say, help me here. That's the beauty of the family of God. Two things here when we talk about educate. Two things. Respond to education. Proverbs 19.20, I'm not talking about going to college, I'm not talking about going back to school. Hear counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in the latter end. When we discuss these matters coming up, take something and use it and apply it. Proverbs 15, 22, without counsel purposes are disappointed, but in the multitude of counselors they are established. I'll give you one good education example. How about this right here, the picture on the screen? Did you not take that time for a retreat? to help strengthen your families, to get you away from things, to help you to grow and to do what you need to do as families, workshops, retreats, friendships, podcasts. A lot of people listen to podcasts that can help them with the family. A lot of good stuff there. I think about a dear sister in Christ who when she had her second child, the oldest one who was about four looked at her and said, you don't hold me anymore. You hold him all the time. You don't hold me anymore. It tore that young mama up. She didn't go talk to me. She didn't come to me as her preacher. She didn't come and talk to one of the elders. She reached out to a young mama in the congregation who had two children a little older and looked at her and said, what do I do? She said, you know, that piece of advice helped me more than anything in the world. You see the beauty of this? Of educating and helping one another along? And even reading. 
Finding good material that will help you grow. If we're talking about things of communication, things of delegation, calculation, whatever, find good material that will help you grow. Paul exhorted Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.13, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Dear friends, your family matters. We're going to be spending the next four days talking about it and when I saw this picture, I was blown away when I see what your attendance runs, as Roland posted. I can see it on the board and see that number. That is absolutely amazing. You're serious about this. and We've got a world out there that can take us apart. So if these four areas, communicate, delegate, calculate, and educate, if we've hit something that will help you along the way, again, I'm here all week. I can suggest things to you. Again, these would be four lessons in and of themselves. But we laid our foundation that we can build thereon. Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, we matter and our families matter because, Father, you matter. And Jesus, and we're thankful. And we pray that what we have done in overview will help us to help each husband, each daddy, each wife, each mother, each child. And Father, thank you for the church and thank you for the cross of where we can turn and grow in grace and knowledge to help us do well because, Father, through you, our family matters. In the name of Jesus, amen. By the way, while the kids are coming back in, I want to commend you all for your communication. Your yeah was great. That was great. Thank you for that. We heard it enough times. I heard it enough times? Let me get a show of hands real quick. How many of y'all went on and kissed anyway just to aggravate your youngins? Yeah. Ah, there you go. Now you're talking. There you go. All right.